Episode 399 That time I slept in my car Hello and welcome and thank you for joining me Hope you're all doing well Hope you're all healthy and happy um, And if you're not, I hope you will be soon And uh, yeah Life can be tough sometimes, you know um, I often describe life as a uh, a series of crushing and depressing upsets, uh, peppered, punctuated by some absolute extreme happiness. Um, and it can make up for all the bad, I think, sometimes, and all the sadness. So, <laughs> so yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, um, yeah, sleeping in a car. Um, I've slept in a car, and I've also slept in a van. Uh, I have also slept in a caravan, I've also slept in a motorhome. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, anyway. So back in the 90s, um, I suppose it was 95, 96, we're now at 2021, uh, 2021, so what's that? 21 plus, I don't know, 4. 25 years ago. Um, I was an engineer, service engineer, and I, I, I went all over the world. I spent a lot of time in the UK and Ireland, uh, and I was installing computer systems, um, you know, basically, well, it predates sort of Linux. It was like uh, Score Xenix and um, Score Unix on on these. They were expensive PCs now. Let's put it that way. I mean, back in the nineties, most well, most companies, businesses could afford computers, but they were very still fairly uncommon in the house, in the home. You know, um, they were still very expensive. That's the point, and uh, the price did slowly come down. And it became much more common to have a PC at home. But I know sometimes it's hard to believe, isn't it, that there was you didn't have a computer in the house, whether it was a tablet or a, a Mac or a PC. But there was a time like that, you know. Um, and basically, the company I worked for, it was, it was primarily systems that went into, like, chicken factories mostly around uh, the world, you know. But uh, primarily the UK and Ireland. That was the biggest market for them, certainly on the PC um, front the box set labeling at part of the business anyhow it was one sunday afternoon and it was quite interesting because um they said that a portion of your salary was to cover for out of hours work and been on call but there was no structure to it it wasn't like oh you're on call this week but not next week you was literally always on call uh, but then what i noticed was i was the only person on the team who didn't drink at the time, <laughs> and uh, everybody else did, so yeah, I was it basically at the weekend, so, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and I got a call, and I found out later on that there was another engineer who was available sitting next to, um, sitting next to the boss who rang me to tell me I had to go to site, but anyway, I went to site, um, and the company name, I think the company's still in business, I'm not sure, they're called Padley's, uh, they were sort of in like uh, Lincolnshire, that sort of area, and they were Annick, um, they were in Grantham, Bury St Edmunds, Wisbeach. They were all the sort of places they had factories. Uh, I think since then, they've probably been taken over by a company maybe from Eastern Europe or whatever, a big conglomerate maybe. Um, but essentially, there was lots of farms that produced the chickens, and then these factories processed the chickens, you know. Um, and certainly the, the systems I worked on, you know, the chicken looked like you get in a supermarket, let's put it that way, you know. Um, and there was two halves. So one half was weighing the chicken, um, you know, they get in the supermarket, and, and putting it into the right bin so it could be put in the right box. 
And the other part was actually the box end labeling. So you'd put like six or eight chickens in a box and then you'd weigh them and put a label on it, you know. Uh, and that was, my focus was the box end labeling because it was quite uh, more computery, technology, whatever you want to call it, te a technology wise type thing, you know. So, um, so yeah, so Panelist and Ike, they had this, uh, the factory, but they also had like a distribution depot as well, like a big warehouse. And they had another system. Uh, it used to be Pad and Pad A and D was the actual, I remember the server names and the environment name. And basically that was purely scanning boxes and dispatching and producing dispatch notes, you know. So you'd literally have a customer, you put a customer number in, you scan all the boxes going to that customer and then print out the dispatch note. But they also had a software um, subsystem called palletizing, where what you could do is, even if you didn't know the customer, you could put all these boxes on a pallet, scan all the boxes on the pallet label, and then when you come to dispatch it as a pallet, you just scan the one pallet label. It was called palletizing, you know? And it was quite nice, it was quite a neat solution, because they'd scan a blank pallet label that was printed by the computer. They'd scan all the labels of all the boxes, and I don't know how many it would be, say 30 boxes on there. And then they press print, and they would produce the same pallet label, but with all the detail of all the products that are on that pallet and quantities and weights. It was, it was a nice system, very neat. And then when they come to dispatch it, they got the dispatch dock, they'd literally scan the pallet label as it went onto the truck. And then when the truck was fully loaded, the guys in the office would press a button, and it would print out all the documentation that the driver had to take that the documentation had to stay, whatever, for the accountants in the company, you know. Uh, but the documentation, and it was a nice system, it was very neat. Um, so something catastrophic happened, anyway. And the system that they had in this dispatching area of Padley's, uh, it failed. It, uh, the server stopped working, basically. And it meant they had no way of scanning or anything, and uh, they had to go back to uh, marker pens and writing on things and paperwork. Uh, and, and the problem is, and it's like a lot of these companies, they, when they got the system in originally, it was a, a boon. For, it was fantastic for them. It really stopped the workload, you know. But then as a company, they were expanding, 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 and the system was still good for them, and it still made life easier, and it was fine. But then when it broke, they've really gone beyond the point of, well, we used to be able to do it manually, <laughs> and it became a big problem. So... They were estimating what they was dispatching the customers. They didn't really know what they was dispatching to precisely, you know. So it was a huge deal. So I got a phone call on a Sunday afternoon. I think it was about three or four in the afternoon. Um, I wasn't doing anything. Uh, single man, you know, and uh, I was living with my uh, dad and brother at the time. And, yeah, called into the site, go out, fix it, get that server back online. Uh, and I got there then in the afternoon. It was about 4 or 5 p.m., whatever, and... Uh, the server in question is it was an IBM unit. It was an RS6000 with an IBM AIX. Um, it doesn't matter about the details, really, I don't think. But essentially, it's a Unix-based operating system. Uh, I know many people are familiar with Windows operating systems on the PCs and Windows servers. Uh, Windows server operating system on servers, big computers. Uh, and Unix was another alternative. It predates um, Windows, anyway. Uh, still considered to be the enterprise class uh, <laughs> OS of choice. And it's in the form of Linux now, but that's a whole different podcast. So I got there, and yeah, uh, I mean, the box was, uh, wasn't was working at all, you know. And I have to say, 
I spent hours and hours working on it, trying to get it working, trying to get it to run, trying to get it to boot, you know. And whatever I did, um, yeah, it would just it just wouldn't work. Like it was crazy, you know. Uh, and I think I was there most of the night. Um, I think it was about four a.m., five a.m. when I said, "Listen, I, I'm going to have to get some rest now," you know. And I, I went and I slept in my car. I drove. Um, I don't know why I draw. You always, if you if you planning to sleep in your car, you want to drive somewhere that's quite quiet, right? Um, you don't want to be disturbed. You want to, you know, to be too windy, I suppose. Nothing, you know, you can get a night's sleep, you know. I was only expecting to get a few hours sleep, you know. So anyhow, I, I drove and uh, put the, the the reclined the seat, you know. And the car was lovely and toasty, you know. It was nice and warm. It was a Ford Mondeo. Um, car it was quite a nice car actually a two litre um, petrol uh, estate actually Lo- lovely and comfortable now and I did many many thousands of miles on it and it was a great it did last a long time but anyhow I settled down for the night you know and uh, I slept there and uh, I don't know what time it was uh, maybe 7am am. oh man the noise and the cold <laughs> so I parked on what seemed to be a quiet spot well, of course it was quiet. It was the middle of the night, wasn't it? But then when the traffic started the next day, and as I woke up, I was freezing, absolutely freezing. So I turned the engine straight on, you know? So uh, I got the engine started and warmed the car up, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know? I don't, I'll be honest with you, no job's worth that. You should never, ever have to be sleeping in your car when you work for a company. It's totally unacceptable, you know? And uh, I didn't make a stink about it with the company, and a while later, they did. I was in a similar situation, and uh, they did get me a hotel. And I was in the hotel for like three hours, and checked out again because like I was literally at six a.m. I was there till nine a.m. and I checked out because I had to get. And I went back to the went back to the factory. Yeah, went back. How stupid was I? I was young. But anyway, so yeah, so I'd um, I slept in my car there, and it was horrible. And I don't recommend it. I know there's all sorts of techniques that you can use. You know. If you've got some sort of um, IKEA mattress, fold-up mattress, or you've got some insulation you can put in the car. Um, and it was quite a mild climate. It was a mild time of year, but it was f- absolutely freezing anyway. So um, the next day, yeah, I got up about 9 a.m. I think it was 9 a.m. Between 7 and 9 a.m., I think it was anyway, and uh, went back in uh, to see what I could do. And uh, the IBM engineer arrived, and he looks at me and goes, you shouldn't be here. You've been here, like, way too long, you know? And uh, anyhow, it was eventually fixed. It was a complete restore of the operating system. Uh, and they did lose a lot of information. But uh, I did get it back working that day. And uh, I went home then, you know, and uh, <laughs> got a proper night's sleep in a proper bed. Um, but you know what? It's it's all one of those funny things that you do. You know, I wouldn't do it now. <laughs> no way. But as a, a young man, when you're working hard, you're doing your best. You want to do your best, you know? And it's drilled into you in some ways, you know, and the way companies tell you things and tell you how to do things. And uh, and I worked really, really hard for that company for seven years. Um, I, I mean, I did okay. I mean, the salary, I suppose, for my age wasn't bad. It wasn't outstanding, but it wasn't bad. I had a company car. I had a mobile phone, all these nice little trinkets, you know. Um, but I don't think any of those things will ever make up for the amount of effort put in. But on a personal note, it sort of made me the person I am now and the work that I do now were... You know, um, I know what it takes to do things, and I know when you're working too hard and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, sleeping in a car, 
not a good idea.